0: Good morning and welcome to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. I'm Rick Moore along with Josh and our producer and engineer Bill Proposky. And kind of a special thing this week as we're trying to put a live program on every morning at 10 a.m. Talking about the upcoming municipal elections on the North Shore or in and around the North Shore, I guess. So we continue today. Yesterday we had uh, primarily uh, Gloucester, Salem, and Newburyport. And today, what's lined up for today?
1: Today it's Amesbury, Medford, and Lynn.
0: So who do you have on top
1: here?
0: Anthony Rinaldi. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me try that again. <laughs> Anthony
1: Rinaldi is go. a uh, candidate for city council at large and excuse me, is a candidate for city council in District 2 of Amesbury. Nicole Morrell is a uh, candidate at large uh, in the city of Medford. Jacqueline Corvo is a candidate for Ward 2 Peabody uh, City Council. And Hong Nat, an incumbent city Councilor in Lynn, is a candidate for re-election.
0: All right, so we'll get started with our first interview coming up in just a minute here. This is Trending Now with Josh Arnold on MSLNewsSports.com.
2: Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers,
3: a friendly, challenging environment. Title Boxing is a great place to come for exercise, uh, to help yourself get into shape, meet some new people, have a good time while you're working out, lift some weights. Meet some friends that will probably be with you for a long time because it's like a family environment here. The instructors are all great. You can try it out a few times. We have boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. You actually get to come in and take the first class free. You can try it out probably about
2: two or three times before you can actually make a decision. Title Boxing, Danvers.
4: Hi, folks. This is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. And if you're planning on remodeling your kitchen or just thinking about it, may I suggest that you visit our kitchen cabinet showroom in downtown Beverly. There you will find some 25 kitchens on display, just as they might look in your own home. And you can also talk with our kitchen cabinet sales team, who really do know what they are talking about. That's at Moynihan Lumber, 82 River Street, in downtown Beverly. What
0: we measure up.
2: Looking to run up the score on your savings? Open a CD savings or money market account at Institution for Savings. Fall's the perfect time to earn funds for your future. And our rates are among the best. Stop by one of our offices in Amesbury, Beverly, Boxford, Gloucester, Hamilton, Ipswich, Middleton, Newburyport, Rockport, Rowley, Salem, Salisbury, and Topsfield. Or visit us online at institutionforsavings.com, member FDIC, DIF.
5: Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our first guest is a candidate for city Council in District 2 of Amesbury, Anthony Rinaldi. Anthony, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Josh. I love the opportunity to be on radio.
3: ages 8 to 23. My uh, oldest one just graduated from uh, Endicott College last year. I'm a uh, engineer, electrical engineer uh,
5: with, a, with a master's and
3: applied math. And
5: uh, I, I worked in the quality field for most of my life. Um, where I learned a lot about how to serve a customers' and issues with customers. And um, I live in, uh, I live in Ainsbury District 2, and I'm, uh, I am live in a condo, and I'm the president of the trustees, which I've been since I've moved in, actually, and uh, I'm vice president of the Clark's Water Shed Association, which, uh, which uh, does uh, clean up and uh, preserve our Clark's Pond, which is a pond of that was very much neglected, and it's getting a little better now,
3: and... Uh, and i'm a member of the energy uh, committee for the city uh, we support the uh, director of energy and environmental i also do some volunteer work around with our neighbors table which is a great cause oh, that's so, uh... that's great yeah, go ahead.
1: that's great now uh... looking at uh... issues in amesbury uh... i know that there's uh... Planned construction for new elementary school and that's created some unrest, I guess, among citizens in Ainsbury. You know, going through a similar thing because the uh, uh, state offered some money uh, through the school right. building assistance program, but then it's a question of what the location is and where do you put the kids when you build the school or rebuild the school, or, or lots of different uh, growing pain issues. How's it playing out in Amesbury, and what are the issues that uh, you're hearing from the citizenry?
3: Well, it's funny, because what you just said is uh, pretty much what's going on here. The community's pretty well split, although we did pass the referendum by uh, by, uh, by about 1%, because uh, the referendum was scheduled uh, on October 8th, which uh, I believe was designed to minimize the... Uh, the uh, Okay, the involvement of the community, and uh, we only got about 2,300 people voted, and so 11 percent of the town approved a 60 million dollar school. 60 million is a lot of money, and um, I think that the unrest was is because the school, the decisions of how to get to where they where they got, uh, were not well publicized, and we were never given an alternative. A couple of uh, surveys they ran um, indicated they wanted, the, the people wanted the school where the original school is, and uh, we were never given the opportunity to hear why that couldn't happen until the decision was already made. So that that created a lot of dissension. There was a lot of people who disagreed with that, but... Uh, be, uh, agree. The A lot of people held their nose and voted because they know we need a new school. The current school is in pretty run-down condition. It's never been maintained well. It uh, doesn't have any technology in it. Uh, in fact, the way it's designed, you would have to rip the insides out to get get where you want to be. And, and that could have been done. But we really don't have any place to put the kids uh, while, while they're redoing the school. And it would probably take a couple of years to do that. So it's created a lot of dissension. And if you take that school process along with some school board budget issues that came up that weren't handled well uh, to the satisfaction of teachers or parents, um, the town is pretty riled up right now. In fact, a lot of that is why I'm running. Okay. Um,
1: you mentioned yeah. maintenance, and I know that that's uh, been an ongoing issue in Amesbury uh, uh, both public uh, city buildings and school buildings. Uh, oh, absolutely. Whether it's the stadium or the middle school roof or, or other places, what, uh, uh, what's what's going on, and, and how do you how do you fix that?
3: Well, I, I can't blame it all on the current administration, but um, I will say this: the current administration is kind of focused on lowering taxes, lowering tax rates. Never lower taxes. The taxes have gone up about the same every year from even the past the past mayor and this mayor they've gone up about the same amount every year and um this mayor though has not put any money into the schools or into maintenance we've got uh we've got five air handlers on a school that's got some mold issues that need to be refurbished or or replaced that's about a million bucks we got a high school or a middle school that's got a uh it's got a roof that's been leaking for about five years. Uh, they did a patch, but they didn't fix the roof. In fact, the roof leaked so long that the, uh, the the facade of the school started to degrade. And, um, and there, there's a number of other key issues. If you go around town, walk around town, you can see some of them. The library had had a, had a, also had a, uh, a leak in the roof that was patched, not fixed. So, um, it's something that a lot of people didn't, weren't aware of, but we've made them aware of it, that the city budgets, the mayor spends more time, uh, on development and, um, and doesn't want to spend a penny on those infrastructures. I mean, you think about it, he's got two open contracts, one with the school, school, uh, the, the um, teachers union and one with the fire. He, he, he refuses to settle them, and they're they're not asking a lot. Um, they, they just feel underappreciated. In fact, the the previous the offer the city made was almost an embarrassment. So, um, in fact, one one of the uh, leaders of the union told me it was an embarrassment. She didn't even feel like she should offer it to the to the union because it was it was like a half percent a year. I mean, who 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 can live on a cost cost of living uh, half? A year. So, anyway, so you can see why the town's riled up. You can see about why the maintenance uh, issues are predominant in a lot of what we're putting up, uh, why we're talking about it. Because, in addition to the 60 million school, which will probably raise taxes somewhere around 350 uh, households for a $400,000 house, uh, we're going to end up having to put some money into maintenance, because these these things are not going to get better. They'll get worse and cost more. Okay. Um, what about,
1: one yep. of uh, the issues that uh, just about every community we've talked with, uh, uh, folks that are running and, and the citizens, uh, is affordable housing. Tell us about that as far as Amesbury's concerned.
3: Well, Amesbury, Amesbury does have a housing uh, problem, and in, in the fact that, you uh, some of the some of the houses are being refurbed and then offered at higher prices. Some of the houses that could be um, that could could be used for as affordable or I'm going to say accessible to people with lesser income. Um, the other problem you see is that seniors and, and my district has a, has a lot of that. My district is a um, if you want to walk walk around. There's some new houses, but there's an awful lot of older homes, small homes, and when you meet when you meet the people. You find out that there a lot of them are living on fixed incomes, and um, they want to stay in their houses. And so the, the city doesn't hasn't the, uh, hasn't implemented any programs to help them. There's a there's some couple of small I'll say they've in a, they've um, instituted a couple of small ones, but nothing big. Uh, Newburyport did a nice job on on uh, making um, tax deferment issue. Uh, making it available to more people we have the same program but our limits are such that nobody can that very few people can apply so um affordable housing is an issue and the other thing that i i talked about was that uh when people flip houses they keep raising the prices of the houses and what's going to happen if we keep doing that um it's going to be we're going to be a lot like Newburyport, and um not be able to afford to live here anymore uh so one of the things I'll focus on is, is trying to figure out ways that people who live in their houses, who want to stay in their houses, can get some abatement on taxes or deferment of taxes enough so that they can stay where they want to be.
1: Well, there is a uh, there is a uh, uh, the circuit breaker tax uh, uh, program uh, put up by the state, uh, but it's income driven. Uh, are there many people that you are aware of in Amesbury that uh, know about it or take advantage of that?
3: Uh, no, I don't know. <coughs> okay. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, one of the things about tax deferment I was going to say is the limit. The limit of income on tax deferment, in order to set up your house to be to defer the taxes until you sell it, the limit was twenty. Is twenty thousand dollars? Now I don't unless you're making one one person in the house is making minimum social security 20,000 is the limit. So, uh you need to we need to look at that. That's that's all I would say if we look at it. I've been to a couple of seminars on how to work with developers and uh, things like that. So, I I'm, I'm trying to get up to speed on what are
6: the things we can do.
1: Well, great. Well, I I appreciate you taking some time and the campaign schedule and being a guest. Thank- and we certainly wish you the very best of uh, success uh, in your upcoming campaign.
3: Okay, thank you a lot, Josh. Thanks, Jesse. Fun, fun to be here.
2: love the Bradford Tavern in Rowley as they feature a menu to please everyone. Start your meal with your choice from a dozen delicious appetizers. There are also soups and fresh salads. Dinner selections include burgers, sirloin tips, chicken parmesan, chicken piccata, and then there's seafood, clams, haddocks, salmon, lobsters, and fish tacos. Plus a wide selection of sandwiches and wraps. Let the Bradford Tavern host your events or functions set in unique spaces. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. The Bradford Tavern, Route 133 Rowley and Bradford Tavern.
4: Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. Professional builders and remodelers choose Anderson Windows more than any other brand in the United States. They do so because Anderson Windows and patio doors offer beautiful natural wood interiors, low maintenance exteriors, and outstanding energy efficiency. See the complete line of Anderson Windows at any of our three locations in Beverly, North Reading, or Plastown, New Hampshire or at Moynihanlumber.com. Moynihan Lumber
7: Um, but a local nonprofit in New Bedford that's a federally funded uh, nonprofit that uh, called CASE that connects um, low-income families with necessary resources like getting assistance, um, dental programs, tax um, prep assistance. And then my mom for 35 years was a public school teacher. So having two careers like that, my grandfather uh, was a union rep for 40 years Growing up in a family like that, politics was always something that was talked about around the table, Um, and we always talked about kind of how you can stay engaged in your community, how we can help out, and then, you know, growing up in a community like Fall River, which has so many challenges, it was always kind of um, front of mind, just how do we address these challenges, how do we improve this city that, you know, has has been through so much. So when I moved to Medford in 2013 with my husband, um, really fell in love with the city and then just saw how much potential the city had, how great it already was, and then how much potential there was for kind of a future plan for the city. Um, and I get involved in volunteering throughout the city. And then I'm also a member of the city's Energy and Environment Committee since 2017, where we think about a lot of things like um, municipal aggregation that just came through in Medford. And we're really pushing for a solar ordinance, um, which I think will be um, we the second or the third of its times um, east of the so really trying to be on the leading edge of change as far as thinking about um, sustainability throughout our city in a number of ways. So that's kind of my uh, <laughs> my overview. Um, and then, yeah, I just live in, in, in West Medford with my husband, Jeff, and my rescue dog, Greta, and really looking forward to starting a family member some days and taking advantage of the great public schools there. Great.
1: Now, you uh, talked when uh, we talked before the show, zoning ordinance and, and making sure that uh, things are is balanced development and so forth.
7: Can you elaborate a little bit on
5: that for the listeners?
7: Sure, absolutely. You know, um, city council focuses on things big and small, but I think the thing that um, the city council and cities have the most power with to decide what their city looks like in the future actually comes down to zoning. Because zoning can dictate affordability, density, and um you know focus on traffic and green space and stuff like that. So I think that's really
8: one of the more powerful tools in the toolbox for the city council. So, you know, in my conversations with neighbors at um, doors and going to council meetings, um, I really tend to focus on development and making sure we're being really thoughtful about our development going forward. Uh, Medford, like a lot of communities in greater Boston, is kind of exploding with development. A lot of people want to come and invest
7: here, which is great for the city, but I think there's just a lot more we can be asking of developers to make sure that as, as new things spring up across the city. It's really um, a benefit to the city. Um, so that's about things like really making sure we involve community voices in development. So the city is very good at doing public hearings, um, but a lot of times people complain that they don't actually hear about that. They don't know when to go to the hearing. So I think understanding that perception is reality and if people are saying that they're not hearing about these things and we need to change perhaps some of the ways they're communicating with people about big new developments or changes that might be coming to their neighborhood and making sure we're really folding their voices in. Um, And then
8: also thinking about development from an environmental and sustainable standpoint. So
7: ordinances or zoning that uh, make sure we're offsetting any new impervious surface we're adding with um, green space or impervious surfaces. Uh, Medford has, um, like a lot of cities, our our, our draining sites or storm drains are dealing with these heavier storms and there's increasing. So, making sure we have stuff like green space where that stormwater can actually seep into green space and make its way through groundwater to our water. mental ages is actually beneficial for them. So making sure we're investing um, in that. I know we've had to grants in the city to
8: increase the number, but really I've walked blocks in South Medford as I'm knocking doors and, you know, it takes you a second to think something looks strange about this block and there are blocks where there's not a single shade tree on them, um, a city shade tree on them. So I think that's something that even though it may seem minor, it's actually a really big issue and it's something that we really need to put money behind and, and a strategic plan behind.
1: Now, uh, every community we've talked, uh, folks we've talked with uh, that are running for office in every community have been wrestling with the uh, affordable housing issue. Uh, walk us through uh, well, how that impacts Medford and, and what some of the issues uh, you people are dealing with.
8: Yeah, so there's a number of things. So there are people who have lived in Medford for generations who just Surely by the value of their house going up there, you know, they're on fixed income and and they can't really afford their property taxes. Their property taxes are, are really increasing because of the assessment value of their house. Um, so I'm in favor of, you know, there's a the state program for senior tax deferrals uh, where seniors can defer the taxes, their real estate taxes, so they, either they, they sell their home or they, they pass away. Um, and then that has a 5% interest rate on that, which is actually the break even point for the city. And I'm in favor of just um, making sure we're making sure that applies to people as much as it can so cities like uh, I think Cambridge and Somerville they have a much higher upper income limit than Medford so making sure I think our limit is twenty five thousand so increasing that limit so that people that are you know even though they're making maybe a little bit more than twenty five thousand they're still burdened by their real estate taxes and making sure they have the ability to take part in that program. Um, um, if they want to, it's also publicizing the um, tax uh, work abatement program where you can you know work for the city and have some abatement from your taxes um That's a great program, and I think that comes down to communication is just making sure that as many people as possible know about these programs and can take part in it. Uh, and then also it's inclusionary zoning. So that's making sure that affordable housing is folded into, uh, new developments throughout the city. So the city of Medford just recently passed one, I think, um, last year. And it's, uh, 10% affordable housing, um, required for new developments of 10 units or more, I believe. And then I think it's 15% affordable housing ratio for units of 50 or more. I, I believe I had to double check on the, um, 15% one. But I'm definitely in favor of expanding that because right now affordable is affordable to someone who's making 80% of area median income and area median income is around 87,000. Um, so that that's still a sizable amount of money. So I'd actually look forward to the opportunity to um, make sure that we have that ratio set to maybe a 40 or a 60 so that you have people, so including the 80 but having specific areas set across to a 40 or a 60. So that people who are um, uh, making less than that, you make sure they're not lost in the program of applying for that housing.
1: Great. Now, the uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, the Bateman program and the uh, circuit breaker uh, by description uh, is the uh, re- is the amount uh, the threshold of what uh, what the income level is a variable that's community to community, or is it a stalled line across the state at a, at a certain level?
8: Yeah, so that's a variable community by community. So Somerville and, and and Cambridge have increased theirs to, you know, I think Cambridge is it's quite high because Cambridge is so um, incredibly expensive. But yeah, that's something that the community can can tinker with those numbers to better meet the needs of their okay. city.
1: Well, we've got maybe two minutes left, uh, and uh, what what are you finding as uh, you're running for office? You did uh, very well in the preliminary, uh, and uh, what are you finding uh, as you go door-to-door and in, in campaign uh, about uh, what are people saying, and, uh, beyond the issues we've covered here, and uh, what, what are the kind of things that you're hearing along the campaign trail?
8: I think, you know, it's a lot of basic quality-of-life issues. I'll often knock on doors and ask people what they're concerned about, and they kind of gesture behind me, and they're gesturing to either they their upraised sidewalk or the crack in their sidewalk or the stump in front of their house or the traffic zipping by. So it's stuff just making sure we have a plan for, you know, strategically what streets we're going to get those updates and invest in those sidewalks. You know, I know we don't have the money to overhaul the whole city, but I think if people knew when their street was going to be done or when they were on a schedule that would give them, um, you know, some... Peace of mind, but also just having better communication and letting people know, okay, who do I talk to when it's actually, you know, this is a, this is a danger that my, my sidewalk is like that and I need to get this fixed right away. Um, and then I think I just looking forward to more, um, enforcement in the city as far as speed limits and also we, um, you know, we've had some great success with the complete streets program and doing some curb bump outs and stuff like that. Um, and I think just expanding that, um, you know, finding more funding for that and just identifying more intersections and in areas throughout the city where things like lighted crosswalks, curb bump outs, maybe even speed tables um, actually do impact quality of life because people feel safer, you know, whether it's walking or biking or walking with their kids to school. So it, it, it's stuff that is a lot of stuff is really what's in people's, you know, front yards kind of thing, you know, looking in front of their house and, and, and what do they see in their little piece of bed that they want to improve.
1: Well, that's great. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, the campaign trail to, to spend some time with us today and, and uh, tell us about what's going on in Medford and your candidacy. And we certainly wish you the very best of uh, success in your run for city council. And uh, maybe uh, uh, after the election, we could have you back and, and chat some more.
8: Absolutely. Here's hoping.
1: Okay. Thanks, Nicole. All right. Bye. Thank
8: you. All right. Bye-bye.
3: Bob Gillis, president of Cape Ann Savings Bank, serving the Cape Ann community with stability and commitment for over 170 years. Since 1846, our customers have relied on our local bank service and big... Stop by our office as a call to talk about your banking needs at 978-283-0246. Built on community, Savings.bank.
0: Member FDIC lender.
2: Gloucester's Walter Wilkins Insurance Agency is teaming up with Columbia Insurance to deliver a full line of products, personal home and auto policies, as well as a full line of commercial coverage for business owners, including commercial property and commercial vehicle coverage. Wilkins partners back at companies such as Plymouth Rock, Quincy Mutual, Commerce, and Safeco. For City of Gloucester employees, there are discounts on auto and home policies. Wilkins Insurance is located at 186 Main Street, Gloucester. Now partnering with Columbia Insurance Service the North Shore.
1: Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Jacqueline Corvo, who is a candidate for Ward 2 City Council in Peabody. Jacqueline, welcome to the program.
9: Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you, everybody, for tuning
1: in. Well, we usually start out and ask folks to give us a three or four-minute bio, which we'll ask you to do, and then we can get us some questions about what's going on in Peabody.
9: Sounds good to me. Um, My name is Jacqueline Corrible. I'm a candidate for Ward 2 City Council at Josh Fed in Peabody, and I am a lifelong Peabody resident. I am a Ward 2 homeowner, and I live with my two adoptive dogs, Lola and Flynn. I'm a graduate of Simmons University, Class of 2013, and currently I am pursuing my MBA at Ohio University online, and I work at Salem Five Mortgage.
1: Great. What do you find are the issues uh, that uh, you go door to door, not just, I mean, there's a difference between what a large councilor does and what a ward counselor does, uh, but yet on the global issues, every vote's a vote. Um, what are the issues that you're uh, coming across as you meet people uh, throughout your campaign? Sure.
9: Uh, so it depends kind of what area of the ward I'm in. I would say um, in South South Peabody, Ward 2, South Peabody, Um, there's a lot of uh, issues with traffic, especially during drop-off and pickup times, because you do have two elementary schools. One is in Ward 1, but it's very close to Ward 2. And then we have um, the Welch School um, and the South School, which are also both in Ward 2. So what I'd like to see happen there is just some enforcement of some traffic laws. Many people have brought it up to me, blocking of driveways, um, just general congestion and um, chaos around pickup time especially. Um, if you go uh, further towards the Salem line there's a lot of issues with rats um, Salem actually has implemented uh, barrel program where they they have blocking barrels and so they're coming into Peabody because we do not have blocking barrels but we will soon um, so that's definitely an issue uh, councillor Manning Martin who's a counselor at large brought that up um, on the Health and Human Services Committee and ever since it's been addressed uh, fairly quickly so I thank her for that Um The other issues I hear about, definitely overdevelopment, Oak Street. I know there's a pending 40B there. There was an update last night. It looks like it might be moving forward. It's unclear at this point. Um, So overdevelopment, traffic, um, general quality of life life issues. Um, People have seen 17 straight years of tax increases. That comes up at almost every door I go to. Um, So I think on that front, I would not support a tax increase in my first year in office. 17 years is enough.
1: Okay, what, uh, what is the, uh, you mentioned the, the rats issue, and that's uh, a trash issue. How, do, how does the, uh, you, have, you have an outside contractor that comes and picks up the trash? and?
9: Uh, we do. We use JRM, and um, just as far as enforcement goes, I think people need to use their barrels, but also we need to, um, and this has been addressed by the health department, Sharon Cameron's done a great job. Um, we're going to be getting the same barrels, or very similar barrels that are used in Lynn and Salem to actually keep the rats out. They can't get into the barrels and then on top of that we do need to enforce the use of the barrels um, because you know we're in between Lynn and uh, Salem in a lot of areas and when they can't eat in Lynn or Salem they're coming into Peabody.
1: Okay so uh, housing uh, in affordable housing is an issue Um, I think uh, we talked earlier you said that uh, Peabody is not at its 10 percent threshold set by the state in terms of uh, providing uh, a stock of affordable housing um, tell us about that and and what uh, what that means for the citizens and for f- potential development and, and how do you how does um, the community wrestle sure. with the affordable housing issue
9: sure so just a little background on the issue the state actually <clears throat> sets a 10% threshold for every um, community in the state and if that 10% threshold is not met it actually gives developers um, a loophole and that's 10% of um, All housing should be affordable. And um, if it's not met, the developers actually have a loophole to develop more densely than would be allowed if that 10% threshold was met. So right now, PVD is very close. Mm -hmm. We have not met that 10% threshold. Um, We had residential overlay districts, and up until very recently, those districts were required to meet a minimum of 25% affordable units in those developments. Unfortunately, that um, threshold was lower to 20%. I spoke at the city council meeting in favor of keeping it at 25 so we can meet that cap um, and meet our threshold and meet our requirement and stop the 40 B housing from coming in. Um, it is very detrimental to the community to have very high density housing coming into our neighborhoods, especially when we're really at capacity for the schools, the streets, the fire, police. People don't think about the um, the resources we extend when populations increase so quickly because of overdevelopment.
1: Does, uh, <clears throat> Now, some communities have a, an impact fee for development. Is that anything that Peabody has looked at or building in an impact fee? I know in, in New Hampshire, and, and they got the idea, I think, from Air Mass, uh, well, well, the community sprouted out uh, when they closed down uh, Fort Devons. Uh, um, if you were going to have a development, you had to, the permitting process provided a revenue stream so that for five years, some, you know, the permitting piece to put revenue aside to cover the impact cost if you had to hire another policeman or you had to buy another police car or add more school teachers. Is that anything that Peabody's, uh, uh wrestled with in the past or should they be looking at that in the, in the context of future development?
9: Well, Josh, I think you bring up a very important point which is speaks to a bigger issue of how do we attract developers to the city. And I think the city has been focused too much on attracting developers and not being picky enough. Um, We did talk about, and I spoke about this at the city council meeting, different ways to attract developers is maybe not by, fees are difficult, right? So you want to attract development, but you also want to be picky. So one of my suggestions was to eliminate fees in order to offset maybe being more particular about what the developer has to offer to the community. I know in many communities, they negotiate specifically with the developer on what can be offered. So I'd be more interested in taking that approach and picking the right developer. And I know in Danvers, they've had a lot of money put towards the schools from developers, and it's about working with the individual developer. I don't particularly like the cookie-cutter approach of, um, you know, instituting fee after fee after fee. I want to have a one-on-one conversation with every developer and say, what can you do for us on an individual basis and have that relationship, rather than just taking a... Co- Cookie cutter approach that might alienate some of some developers and even a really good developer that could do something for our
1: community. How much is traffic a problem in PBD? I know that uh, a lot's been done in terms of development, uh, uh, in terms of bringing business and industry in there, uh, uh, but a lot of people pass uh, three or four streets a lot. Um, What does that do? How does that? How do you fix? I don't know if you fix that, but. How do you address some of the congestion problems that emanate from that?
9: Well, first of all, overdevelopment would exacerbate those problems greatly. Um, I think everyone can agree on that. But War Two actually covers a good deal of the downtown, And it covers a lot of the um, more suburban into South Peabody. And that is an issue that's brought up every door I go to. Um, As you go further to downtown, you get into more multifamilies, more heavy congestion. And this issue has come up before, and I would say... We need someone who knows about city planning, someone who knows about the multi-jurisdictional laws that, that govern traffic. Um, it's not just city laws, it's state laws that govern where lights, stop signs, yield signs have to be, and even federal laws. So just being aware and having someone that does it for a living come in and say, you can redesign it like X, Y, and Z to meet your goals without getting into the um, trouble of tripping up over different laws that govern our traffic patterns. So I've had a lot of people say, why can't we move this? Why can't we you know change that light to a turn on red and it's very I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I'm not an expert, but I would encourage the city to hire someone that could speak to those issues.
1: Great. What uh, what are some of the other issues uh, that you're finding as you go door to door?
9: I think we've covered most of them. Okay. Um general quality of life. I would say taxes Our are seniors are, are being taxed um, very heavily at a, I would say at the same rate obviously and they do have abatement options, but A lot of them do live on a fixed income, and they're not seeing, you know, the raises that people working in private industry see. Um, So I think it's really important that we don't ignore their needs um, as they're forced to move out of their homes because of um, rising taxes, Um, even working families trying to save for college, people like myself who are um, in their late 20s, early 30s trying to buy a home for the first time. As a person who bought a home recently, you know, within the past five years, I didn't just look at the tax rate, I looked at the history of how taxes were approached, and I was lucky to be able to afford to stay in Peabody, but a lot of people are looking for more of a stability, and I don't see that. I see 17 straight years of tax increases as very difficult to acclimate to for a lot of people.
1: Where is the uh, infrastructure for Peabody? Uh, the the uh, overall design. I mean, where are you? Are you at your debt limit now, the ceiling of the city, or do you uh, it, it, are they looking at anticipate bond issues anytime for improve the infrastructure? Or any sense of that?
9: Uh, well, as as far as I know, the bond rating is quite good. Um, I'm not sure if you're speaking to the. Um, the um, excess levy capacity—is
1: that what you mean? Well, yeah. I mean, you uh, some uh, if we, they talk on a new school here in Gloucester, and they say, well, it, because of our. Amount of money we have on the, on the city credit card, it's going to be a debt exclusion override. Not all communities are in the same spot. Gloucester is in, uh, but what is in the? I mean, if, the, if you needed a new school, or if you needed a new police station, or a new municipal building, or renovations of that, is there a plan in place for capital improvements, and and how is that proceeding?
9: I would say, no, we're definitely in good shape or not in the same situation as Gloucester at all. But one of the things I am worried about is the excess levy capacity that the city has because that actually enables the, the city government to increase taxes with less accountability to the voters, which concerns me. Um, you know, under Teregian we had very few tax increases. And I think a popul- we attracted a population that was not only just used to that, that's not really a fair word, but people whose budgets allowed for that. And so to go from... Um, from that to constant increases is a, is a great concern of mine, especially with that excess levy capacity. We have an enormous excess levy capacity that I think could be, I think, ten times
1: higher than anywhere else in Essex County. Great. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Certainly wish you the very best uh, of, of success uh, in your campaign to be the Ward Two counselor in Peabody. Take care. Thank you
9: so much, Josh. Thank and you, have you Jack. A great Take day. care.
1: Bye bye.
2: Start the fall season with a winning mortgage rate from your hometown team. Whether you are thinking about buying a new home or condo or refinancing your existing one, our loan rates are among the lowest anywhere. Check out our full menu of rates and terms and apply online 24-7 at InstitutionForSavingsLoans.com. InstitutionForSavings.com. Member FDIC, DIF, Equal Housing Lender
0: take a seat you're really in for a treat at sylvan street a great place to eat and drink and meet with family and friends at sylvan street treat you right Street Grill.
2: Catch a game with friends, meet for lunch, cocktails after work, or a romantic dinner for two. Whatever you plan, plan to do it at Sylvan Street Grill in Peabody and Salisbury. See you at Sylvan Street. Eat,
0: drink, and chill at the Sylvan Street Grill.
2: Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers, a friendly, challenging environment.
3: Everybody comes in here uh, thinking that it's like a regular boxing club where you're going to have to get in the ring and fight, and it's actually not. It's a, a classroom type of cardio exercise boxing class. We have uh, 60 bags. The classes range anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, from 8 rounds to 12 rounds. Uh, there's music playing, the instructor teaches box, and
2: have fun and exercise during the class. Title Boxing, Danvers.
4: Harrington Trophy has been rewarding the North Shore for over 30 years with quality custom awards, screen printing, embroidery, and more. We pride our family-owned business on our exceptional custom service and quality products for the right price. Custom t-shirts, sweatshirts, warm-up suits, hats, along with the area's top trophies, plaques, glass awards, we are the one-stop shop for end-of-the-year banquets or advertising your small business through apparel. Come see us at Harrington Trophy, Chestnut Street Lynn, or HarringtonTrophy.com.
2: The North Shore is listening to MSONewsports.com and our great selection of podcasts.
4: Hey,
1: this is Matt Williams from the Salem News. Make sure that you listen to our weekly high school sports podcast where you can get all the news and happenings in the
2: North Shore high school sports and beyond with myself, Phil Stacy, Bill Newell, And Nick Giannino, MSO New Sports, connecting you to the North Shore.
1: Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Hong Nett, who is a city councilor at large in the city of Lynn. And uh, welcome to the program, Hong.
6: Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the program.
1: We usually start out, Hong, and ask the uh, uh, guest to give us a hello, uh, and then we could talk about some of the issues you're uh, encountering in your campaign.
6: Okay. Uh, thank you, Josh. Yeah. First of all, my name is Hong Net. I am a survivor of the Cambodia's killing fields. I came to the U.S. alone when I was 15 years old from a refugee camp in Thailand, and live with my foster family in uh, South Hadley, Western Massachusetts. I graduated from UMass Amherst with a bachelor degree in political science. After college, I was asked by the United Nations Development Program and uh, USAID to assist a war-torn country, Cambodia. I work with the cabinet ministers to uh, create policies for public education, job creation, and business development. Uh, Currently, I am working for the Massachusetts Department of Revenue as a child enforcement specialist, and uh, I was elected to the Lynn City Council in 2011 as a councilor at large. My wife Tara and I uh, have been living in Lynn for over 20 years, and uh, bought our first home in this city. And when we moved to uh, Lynn, we didn't have any friends, we didn't have, we didn't know anybody. But now we have tons of many, many wonderful friends. And uh, we have two uh, uh, children. Uh, Anna is 19 now; she's a uh, second year in college. And uh, William is 17, a senior at uh, Lin Classical High School. And um, ever since I got elected, I uh, have done a few good things for for Lin. Um, 2012, I created the first Human Rights Commission to help ensure that basic human rights and freedom are place are in place for all residents. I organized the first business quorum. Discuss on low-interest loans and business startup process. I uh, also brought business such as a restaurant, medical office, and uh, and uh, adult daycare to uh, to lend. I brought all the taxi companies before the council to ensure that all taxi medallions are distributed fairly. Uh, I work with the YMCA, the law's office, the mayor, and my ta- the council to uh, bring 70,000 um, uh, seventy thousand. Uh, square foot building, YMCA building to build in Lynn right now, and I also every year for the past uh, nine years I organized a multicultural event, bringing several thousand, I mean like between five to t- thousand to ten thousand to uh, participant to uh, come to the Lynn Commons every year on April to celebrate uh, the 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 new year. Um, I'm we proud for that.
1: Great. well that's uh, that's a that's a lot and that's quite a background um tell us about uh, uh development in lynn and and uh how that is going how do you achieve balance develop uh whether it's jobs or taxation um or, or even to the issue of affordable housing
6: yes um we are uh, proud to see uh, that many developers are uh, Looking at properties on the waterfront and even downtown uh, to, to build uh, condos, um, and luxury condominiums, and other businesses. And uh, we, as a city elected officials, we um, we are working with them, and uh, we we don't mind to uh, um, to help them out with the uh, in, uh, tax incentives. But as long as uh, they create jobs for the residents of Lynn, and um, and uh, of course, and also make sure they. Um, uh include uh, affordable housing for our residents as well because just fifty percent of our uh, learned residents are still uh low um, in, uh earn earn minimum wage and uh, they can afford uh, all these uh, luxurious uh, uh, run, rental kind kind of medium. So we, we work on that. We work with the unions and work with the, uh, the city officials and um, all parties involved uh, to make sure that um the developer uh, uh understanding what what we need for our residents as well, and um, and yeah, so we we, we really need <laughs> need need help really badly, and uh, we work with the state as well to make sure they uh, they provide us some funding and to um, to uh, build affordable housing for for our residents.
1: This this administration, uh, the mayor uh, mayor of Lynn, former senator. Uh, Senator McGee, now Mayor McGee, um, has been working with uh, you folks on the to back at one point, Lynn had a, uh, a pretty substantial deficit, had to take on a loan from the state, uh, but the state wanted you to back that up with some new revenue sources, and, and part of that became a trash fee, but overall, you've managed to balance the, uh, the budget. Tell us about that experience and, and how that's going now.
6: Correct, yeah, you you're absolutely right. And uh yeah, we, we overspent for the past two years and uh, uh because not because we wanted that, because it was needed, necessarily needed and uh, we had to borrow fourteen million dollars to balance the budget. And now we yeah, we uh, we work well together and um know, uh, we balance our budget and we have some uh, little money put aside to uh, for emergency um um fund and you never know uh, Winter is coming up, and uh, yeah, we um, we impose tax. becoming I mean, uh trust fees, uh, which is uh, ninety dollars a year, and uh, we collect twice a year. And uh, we also impose some um, very small amount of our uh, meal um, taxes uh, as well to help the budget. And uh, eventually, I see that, that um, it will work out well fine because we, we work well together. The me and uh, the city council and uh, business owners and uh, and leaders of, around the city and um, and also uh, the, the uh, marijuana uh, businesses uh, will help us a lot. And the state mandated us um, to have eight um, marijuana stores, but so far we uh, approved seven of them. One have been opened for a year now for medical use, and they plan to uh, use for recreational for uh, next. I mean, uh, with the, the companies, are sign a uh, host uh, sign a host agreement with the mayor, and they they give us. Uh, hundred thousand dollars upfront, and after that we will uh, collect three percent of what is what are sold, and so on. That will be a huge help.
1: And and the, as once these uh, businesses take shape uh, beyond putting down an initial uh, deposit, the uh, a percentage of sales is going to uh, uh, find its way into the city revenue stream as well. Is that right?
6: Correct. Yes, that's correct. So that will
1: will uh, go through uh, um, uh, to, to do the revenue to the city. Yes. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see how that play how that plays out. You and I talked a little bit uh, uh, before in preparation of the interview in, uh, about the uh, capacity or the need to get more people involved in the in the decision making process uh as evidenced by your, your going door to door or working with folks in the, your campaign tell us about that and, and what 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 is the issue what are the issues that you you, you reference there and and how do you what are some ways that uh you can you can help that along
6: yes and um the city still feel that um not enough people get involved and, yeah so my um, my team and i have been um, going around um people's home and register them to vote. So, uh, I to, to like, you know, I, wrote, I, mean, I registered at least uh, well, over a thousand, over a thousand people to participate. In, and they all vote and uh, continue to to force them, no, um, not force them, continue to encourage them to um, exercise their rights because it's the mental right that's, that uh, human beings um, dream of. And uh, this, you know, in Cambodia and other countries, people are dying to vote. And, uh, but so... Uh, yeah, and um, so that's what we have been doing, and uh, and uh, we try to let them uh, if if they don't vote or they don't get involved, and in there's nothing uh, can be done much, and uh, we depend on their, their, their advice, their voices, their concern also, and I know um, um, public safety is a major major concern in our city right now, and we we don't have enough police forces. We have only uh, uh, 168, and we need 190 at least, and uh. We work with the state and uh, get some more funding uh, to, uh, to hire more police. So we we just hire 90 more police officers, but also uh, they re, um, they retire as well. So never enough, never enough of for police forces because um, but the the funding. And yeah, that's why we, we do what we can to promote our city and to uh, see if the, uh, more business come to Lim, small, big. So we welcome them all. Uh, as long as we have more revenue to the police, so we can keep our city safe. Because the recent shooting violence really concern us uh, greatly. So we we really concerned about that.
1: What is the you mentioned shooting violence and, and public safety issues? What what uh, what needs to be done? Uh, what steps uh, is Lynn taking to cut back on 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 that or to ensure public safety?
6: Uh, p- uh, police will have to um, um, patrol more on the street and get to know the community well, and they, they have been doing that, and I have been uh, driving around with uh, the police officers. And I, and I see they, do, they do, do a good job, and I get to know uh, the community, and also cultural training is very important. Uh, um, I, I uh, had a meeting with um, a former police chief, and she, he asked me, every time why why they we arrest um um uh Asian people and they they, they resist as I said well when you arrest them make sure um don't ask them to put their head on top of their I mean their, their hand on top of their face or behind their neck so we will uh flash uh, them back to uh do the to the genocide or sort of once when when they do that they get shot. And also for elderly so Try not to push their head into the car. This is disrespectful. so they, of course they respect something like that. So um, yeah, we, we will, we will come to the work with, um, to uh, engage with a uh, different culture and uh, understand their their culture. That, that will that will uh, that will help a lot. That's how I feel. But um, yeah, we we are trying to get um, uh, the police, uh, community police right on the street on fights and on. Uh, Foot. That's what we try to do right now. Hopefully, it will cut down on um, the violence. And we have uh, many organizations get involved as well, like LISO, the ISO, uh, the Straight Ahead Ministry, and uh, stop the violence. So all these these groups are very helpful, and we are working with them closely as well.
1: Well, that's great. You know, I always want to go back to something you brought up uh, when you were talking about your bio, and you had said about the. Uh, uh, Organizing a multicultural fair. Can you t- elaborate on that a little bit and tell us uh, uh, what the, what that involved, what it entailed, and, and uh, how
6: it played out? Yeah. So um, every year, April, uh, April, um, the last Saturday of April, we always organize uh, um, the call community fair, but also uh, the Cambodian New Year. Um, so um, we we usually um, like like of between five thousand to ten thousand people come in and out all day long, and uh, and come from all over New England basically. And some people come from the different states. I mean, far away from New England as well. And uh, they they bring a lot of um, but there's never been any uh, any issues to be honest. And uh, uh, we work with the police and firefighters and DPW, and uh, they they're doing a great job and uh, protecting uh, the event and people. Are so pleasant each other, and uh, they exchange culture, and uh, food, and uh, dances, and uh, games, all kind of stuff. So it's really, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So, yeah, I have been a part of this for nine, for the past nine years, and I'm really pleased to see that more and more. And I, I start to see um, Latino business, uh, Latino community, uh, the, the Greek festival, the uh, World Folk Festival, all these things are starting to come up um, uh, to our city, and uh, and uh, and people seem to to enjoy it. I think it it's a great way to uh, to get to know each other, and a great way to promote our city as well, and, uh, and to promote um, um, the cuisine that that uh, the um, the multicultural cuisine and in, uh, in in our city, and um, all these things. I think that's the wonderful things really.
1: Well great. Well that was that's great. Uh, they used to have a folk life festival here in Gloucester many years ago and it was uh it was held at uh, one of the a uh, middle school and and uh, it was well received but it was An awful lot of work to put together, and I I think the organizers uh, ended up uh, moving on and doing something else. But uh, it was well-received, and I'm glad it went well in Lynn. Uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and being a guest with us again here on Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Certainly wish you the greatest success uh, as you seek re-election in the coming couple of weeks, and and maybe after the election we can have you back and you can tell us, uh, give us an update on how things are uh, going in Lynn.
6: Uh, yeah, it's an honor for me uh, to be on your show again, uh, Josh, and uh, great to hear your voice.
1: Thank you, Hans. Take care, and good luck. <laughs> Thank you
5: so much. Fact
7: is, Including the commute, people spend 10 hours a day at work. No wonder they're forced to buy car insurance in 15 minutes. They just don't have time to go meet with someone. Well, Columbia Insurance has an alternative. The insurance professionals at Columbia Insurance Agency will meet with you at your workplace. Even better, we'll go to the registry and bring your plates back to you at work, free of charge. At Columbia Insurance Agency, we come to you, and we really do. Visit ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net and set up an appointment today. That's ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net.
0: This is trending now on msonewsports.com. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 a.m. and then again on Thursday at 10 a.m. and another quick hour with all these people you've had on and um, a lot of the same issues throughout the uh, throughout the region.
1: Yeah, I, I find that uh, I mean the issues are, are pretty much the same everywhere mm. across the board. Affordable housing is a problem everywhere. Uh, you know, some things are more unique to one city or town, but uh, it's it's interesting. And the thing that occurs to me as I, as I listen to, to all these folks is, you know, everything being similar, you'd think logic would tell you if one member of every city council met once a month or once every two months or once a quarter, if 20 people got in a room and shared what their problems were or what their solutions were, that, that somebody would, there would be a benefit out of that. And yet, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, but, it, but it would be nice, if you just, even if you had, you know, like an electronic bulletin board. This is what these 20 communities have all done on marijuana. This is what they've done on, you know, uh, what, what their issues are on affordable housing, you know.
0: No, that sounds like another project for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> come up yeah, with that yeah, that's yeah. yeah, there you go yeah. no no you're, it, all my free time. you're right, and communication <coughs> is is the key and always has been the key and uh you know obviously, we see at a national level how messed up that is well, anyway, um, what's on the agenda for tomorrow?
1: Tomorrow, the city council president in Beverly, Paul Guancey, will be our first guest. Jose Incarcion, the candidate for at-large, city and Lynn will follow. Uh, Joe Gigaloni, the son of former city councilor John Gigaloni of Gloucester. Uh, Joe is running uh, in Ward 2 uh, for city councilor, And then Samantha Watson, the candidate for Gloucester School Committee, will round out the floor interviews for tomorrow.
0: All right, we'll be back at 10 a.m. on the morrow for Josh Arnold and our producer and engineer, Bill Proposky and Rick Moore. Have a great day.